year and welcome to the first episode of Nucleus Investment Insights for 2021. I'm Shelley George, Head of Operations at Nucleus Wealth, and I'm delighted to be filling in for Tim while he takes a well-earned holiday. Wishing you good weather, Tim. So today we're going to look at cryptocurrency. Bitcoin rose approximately 300% in 2020, and it's already up another 20% so far this year, recently trading at $35,000 US per Bitcoin. So the obvious question I have then is how high can it go and should I be investing in it? So joining me to answer these questions and more today is Head of Investments at Nucleus Wealth, Damien Klassen. Hi, Damien. Happy New Year. Thanks, Shelley. Uh, so actually, Damien, before we jump into today's topic of cryptocurrency, we've obviously had the news this morning that the Democrats have won the runoff election in Georgia, both seats for the Senate. Um, so that means they're going to have control of the Senate as well as the House of Reps now. And I was just wondering if you can quickly run us through the significance of that um, for investment markets. Yeah, certainly. Look, I think it's um, it's, it's it's very significant. I think uh, post the uh, financial crisis, one of the issues um, a lot of economists uh, who who sort of adhere to uh, what you call Keynesian, which is basically getting out when the uh, when the private sector is pulling back, that um, the public sector needs to get out and spend. Um, basically, that Keynesian economists uh, were saying that the the US needed to spend more to recover more quickly. Um, and uh, that was very much held back. The Democrats wanted to spend the money um, that was held by, back by Republicans. And, and we sort of had a pretty muted um, uh, recovery. It was always, uh, you know, it was good recovery, but it was, it, was, it was never got back to the stages where they could actually start raising rates. And it was never got, got uh, built up a, a strong enough head of steam. And um, we'd sort of put that down to, um, to one, the stimulus not being big enough. And then, uh, and secondly, inequality. Um, and we think that the Dems will, will address both of those. And I think there was a, um, uh, I think there was the possibility if the Republicans kept hold of the Senate was that they would sort of stymie um, the the relief efforts. And so, um, so yes, yeah, so, so quite good for invest for earnings for companies and and um, uh, and economic growth over the uh, over the next sort of couple of years over the medium term. Uh, I think in the short term, it's a little bit of a negative in terms of the, there will probably also be um, uh, corporate tax rates will probably increase as well. So it's a little bit negative, negative um, and positive. But we think the uh, the positives outweigh the negatives. Uh, so yeah, I think there's still a fair bit more to come in terms of seeing exactly how much uh, you know gets followed through on. But but the probably the main one. Uh, I'd come back to is that the value rotation, um, which we saw in um, November, uh, is certainly looks set to, to to continue. And we've been um, well over the last couple of days, or sorry, over the last week or two, um, as as the polling started coming out um, pretty pretty firmly in favour of the Democrats, we uh, we started just uh, increasing our weights to, um, to to that value uh, trade to make sure that um, you know we, we we got some exposure to to that. So um, we do think there'll probably be a bit of a, a short-term bounce in um, in interest rates and, and a, a bit of an inflation scare. Um, we saw that so already last night, didn't we? We did, yep. And 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 it was sort of it's been um, uh, you know that was part of November's one as well. But it's it's basically the what the trend you saw in November extended, I guess, is what we're um, is what we're expecting. Um, although we're not expecting that to last for for um, you know longer than six or twelve months. Like that'll we we think that'll fizzle out. Um, unless the stimulus happens to be a lot bigger than anyone's expecting. Okay, thank you. And so let's move on to today's topic. Um, so the agenda I think we've got up there, we are going to start with a brief introduction of cryptocurrency, its history and the technology that enables it. And then we're going to look at how to value it uh, and what its value is. Uh, and in order to do that, we'll also discuss what, discuss what exactly money is. Um, so kicking it off, Damien, uh, can you explain what uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are? And are they the same thing? No, that's right. So def- definitely not. I think th- so. Uh, there's the cryptocurrency is uh, effectively a way of in- encoding um, uh, encoding transactions so that so they're relatively safe to do um, over the internet. And it's all about trying to uh, trying to keep records that that people can trust. Uh, and so, so we're going to talk a bit about the blockchain technology and some and some things behind that. And and it's important to sort of differentiate that from Bitcoin, which is just a type of um, uh, a cryptocurrency. And 
it was it's got a number of advantages in terms of being the the first mover but it's actually got a number of quite structural flaws in terms of its design so as you'd expect with sort of the first uh the first iteration is um you don't get it right first go and so um it's sort of it's it's in a sort of strange position in the in that it's it's the most highest the highest profile um but it's a um yeah, it, it might not be. It, it's got a number of structural flaws into it, which uh, you would think over over time will um, will start to show. So maybe we can jump into the technology side. So um, I think starting page slide three, we start to just to 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 get into block what blockchain is. Effectively, um, what the and I'll, and I'll try and just to keep everyone on. You know, keep keep you listening. I'll try and be relatively quick through the, the technology and the uh, the side, so we can actually get to the investment side and and what it actually means for for Bitcoin. Um, and it's actually worth noting as well that you know part of the reason we we had we've done a few Bitcoin ones three or four years ago. Um, we did some uh, a few podcasts, but um, there's there's been this huge renewed source of um, of interest in Bitcoin, and and we're, we're getting sort of more questions than ever I think from clients about the uh, which is why we sort of why we uh, thought worth sort of doing a bit of a recap of this. So um, so the blockchain side is, is really, it's about trying to verify a transaction. So if you're going to make a transaction um, with a bank, you the bank verifies you have the money and then, you, then, then you're allowed to transfer that money across to, to, to a merchant. Um, and that's it. That's this idea of a, a centralized network. So the way blockchain um, is... Uh, is really about recording these transactions and um, having a, a, a distributed uh, record um, where you don't actually need to talk to the bank. You can talk to other trusted members of the network, and they will let you. Um, uh, they, they will help you verify that that transaction. And so, what that means is you can you can sort of distribute the transactions across a range of different um, different areas. You don't have a single point of failure, and it means that um, you can run a um, you can run a currency system with enough people um, that that if somebody tries to put a let's say somebody put, tries to put a fraudulent um, Bitcoin transaction through, um, that's not going to get verified by by the whole network, and so it might it might make it to one node, but then the other that node checks versus the other ones and can't find it, and so so it's not a verified transaction. But but the main so idea just on that, is each um, point or node, as per the diagram. Is is that does that have the entire record book on it, or is there yeah. some record over here and it, some over there? No, no, it does, and which is why. And sorry, different blockchain works in different ways, but 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 for the for the Bitcoin, yeah, part of the problem is it's getting very big in terms of um, these transactions, and um, that's one of the issues with with so many transactions having to go through um, uh, having to go through nodes is that they they. It, and update that you know the, the 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 process to update a new transaction is actually quite technology heavy, and so okay. um, yeah, so that's one of one of the issues with it. So and there are other so there's lots of different other ways of uh, blockchains used, but the, the the main idea with the blockchain is um, it doesn't have to be a single. Um, you can have a distributed version, and it, and it's basically um, places that are keeping up to that are verifying records and and allowing you to move. So. So then you get to to Bitcoin. So on page four of the uh, the slide deck. Um, so in terms of the Bitcoin side, so they've got this first mover advantage in that um, they were the first one there. They've got the most amount of money and the most transactions happening in it. And so um, you know, so so it it gets the most headlines in terms of that. Uh, it does have a very limited to supply. So basically, the the structure of Bitcoin was set up to basically make the the issuing of people can mine new Bitcoin, so you can create new Bitcoins, but it, but it gets progressively harder and um, takes up more and more computing power to do so. And so um, basically you have to do a bit of sort of meaningless work in order to create a coin, basically prove that you've, um, you know, you've, that you're, uh, it's basically a proof of, a proof of uh, that, that you're doing work to actually, to actually create a new coin. And, and that proof gets progressively harder so that the, the whole system uh, doesn't expand. And so that's one of what Bitcoin's ideas was very much that they, they wanted to limit the number of these coins that could be out there. The issue though is, um, you know, I've got on there, there's this issue with power usage. So they think roughly, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to estimate, but um, there's a few different places that do it. Um, I think it's Cambridge in the in the UK that that have some estimates out there. They estimate that um, if you took 
that the Bitcoin's taking up, up about 0.2% of the entire world's power supply at the moment. So basically for every um, one in every 500 sort of uh, kilowatts that gets used is used just to create a, a or, or just to, out there to mine Bitcoin, which is an incredible statistic. You know, as a country, it's it would be pretty close to 30th in the world in terms of the size of the uh, the power that it's using. Um, it's, it's estimated that, um, you know, if you and want to buy... that's now, right, at the current um, number of issued Bitcoins, which is how much, you know? Oh, off the top of my head, it's in, it's in the 20 millions, but it, but it's... Um, so I, I, I guess the, the issue is 21 million, so we're almost there. You're close. Yeah, but the issue is more about, um, as I said, it gets progressively harder, so it's an exponential. And also, um, it's it's an issue with the transactions you're doing in it as well. So so I guess with with relatively few transactions and without the whole world trying to use this as a currency... Mm-hmm. Um, you're already using this, like like it's estimated that if you wanted to buy a cup of coffee using Bitcoin, it's going to cost more energy to um, to, to for the transaction than what it's going to cost to actually heat up the uh, the milk or the or the water to, to create your cup of coffee. Wow. Like it's 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 not structurally designed to be um, a global currency. And so, um, yeah, and, so, and the number of transactions, it's in the tens of thousands of numbers of transactions per minute you can do, but but it's not in the, um, like, you know, Visa and MasterCard are like, um, you're multiples higher than that. Like you've got to add, add a few extra zeros to get to, um, to, to levels where they can actually handle um, running, actually being a, 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 a coin that you could use for, for transactions. Okay. So... Um, so okay, so so we've sort of had there's a, there's this blockchain technology. Now we've got this Bitcoin, which is just one type of blockchain, and and there's some some relatively fundamental flaws in terms of the way it's set up. Um, having um, having said that, it, you know there, there are lots of other different types of cryptocurrencies, and the, um, you know there's thousands of different forms, and 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 some of them are even set up, you know. Uh, um, as a joke, just to show that, you know, to show how ridiculous the system is. And some of those coins that were set up initially as a joke to show how, how ridiculous the system is, um, are now actually, you know, highly valued and, and, and out there in, 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 as a, as, as now being treated as a, a real, um, a real asset. So a lot of these do actually solve some of the issues that, that we had. Um, there's also some, um, Ethereum in particular um, has got some quite novel ways of solving um, uh, trans- solving contract contractual issues, and sort of basically like a semi escrow service, effectively. Um, so you know, lots of benefits, um, and the technology, and, and and a lot of these will solve um, can solve the problems that you have with um, with Bitcoin. So I guess the the overall, without going too much into detail. I guess whatever technological flaws you can come up with with certain ones, um, you know that they are solved. So, so that sort of comes back to the question about then, well, what is money? So, so that's this idea about. So, we we know this is new technology out there. Bitcoin's one of them with a bunch of problems, but there's other crypto strategies that do actually have um, could actually solve sort of the world's the world's problems. So the question is, okay, what what do we mean by money? And Typically, there's there's basically four different types, four four different um, needs for money. One is uh, as a medium of, ex- of exchange. So the idea is with this is you know I produce something and I want to I want to you know I want to sell that for something that uh, somebody else has, and so I need to work out what the right um, what the right exchanges are. And so rather than bartering, we're using that uh, as a unit of account. So we want to try and um, uh, Keep track of, of what of what people have been doing and and actually um, and, and how much sort of uh, how much wealth they get they're gaining and how much they've how much work they've done over time. Uh, this store of value somewhere that you can actually um, you you want to have a benefit you, you want to be able to keep your assets somewhere and 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 not have that erode over time. And then finally this this idea of a standard of deferred payment so that um, you know as as a uh, generally used for debt, more more for debt. So if, if you want to go into debt, how are you gonna how are you gonna assess that and how are you gonna judge that? So it's it's um and, and Bitcoin uh, in particular sort of has, has tried to be some of these things, but it, it's really coming down to a store of value at the moment because um you know as a medium of exchange it's actually quite difficult and probably you know, the days of people buying pizza using Bitcoin uh, I think are far far gone. 
Um, it's probably used still for some um, transactions where um, there is a high need for uh, secrecy or you know, potentially illegal transactions. So, um, yeah, that's a, um, you know, there's still some uses of a medium of exchange, but it's not really a broad one. Um, and and really, it's it's um, it seems to have uh, focused on this whole idea of this store of value is is where um, most people are looking upon Bitcoin really as an investment now as a speculative investment. Um, it's pretty hard for it to be a unit of account because it is volatile, and so um, uh, yeah, you, you know, managing to it, managing to keep track of what what's going on. Okay, so that's that's so got this broad idea of what money is. Um, the next step is uh, the next thing you should know about is is what you call fiat money. Um, the um, uh, in terms of fiat money, what what this is is this is basically money where it's been declared so by somebody. Somebody said this is money. It's not actually um, there's not actually there's not actually any part of value within that itself. So so traditional money is uh, that we get sort of banknotes and coins. You know, there's no real value to to an Australian dollar bill or a US dollar bill except the fact that the government has said um, you know, that that they will accept tax payments in those and and that that's a um, you know, that's an acceptable form of currency. So so the real difference, like for me, in that I think is worth noting is obviously we used to have gold, which did have intrinsic value, which paper notes don't. Right? Is that is that I mean, well? Yes and no. Gold's gold's got the same. Gold they often yeah. Gold's not. Um, Gold isn't a fiat money, but you're right. But it's, um, but uh, yeah. Now let's leave it at that because I'll, I'll deal with gold in a little bit more detail later. There's a certain, there's a valuation aspect to it as well. In terms Absolutely, of which can change. But... How much value is associated with with this with it being a currency, and how much value is associated with it being, um, you know, a practical industrial use? But yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So so fiat money, you need trust for fiat money. You need to be able to have, um, you know, you can only accept a, a Paper for 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 transactions or for doing work, if you um, if you understand the 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 if if you expect that that will actually be around, so um, so what and what would what would end up happening is uh, you'd have these runs on banks. So banks would create their money and and um, you'd have runs on banks or you'd have people with different currencies and 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 you end up needing these central banks. Um, Recreated in order to make sure that you you, you manage that trust. So you know, I could create my own currency tomorrow, um, but unless you trust that I'm actually going to um, come up and actually redeem on it when you want, you know, I'm not going to um, sort of run away at the, at the last minute. Then uh, that that currency is really not worth anything until you until you get that trust. And that's where um, you know central banks sort of step in 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 terms of uh, banks in, t- in terms of traditional systems. Uh, within cryptocurrency, you really need trust in the system, and I think that's the whole. Uh, you know, that's the Bitcoin advantage is that it's built up this trust, whether the trust justified or not, but it certainly has managed to build up that trust, which allows it then to um, to be that you know preeminent cryptocurrency. So, you know, the cryptocurrency it's it's really a battle of stories, which we'll get to in a, in a minute. But at the moment, crypto uh, Bitcoin sort of got that. That first mover advantage and and the size advantage in that in terms of uh, it's got more trust than other cryptocurrencies, which is why um, it sort of ends up being the the top one. And, and it's a little bit of a circular reference um, because to get that trust, to get the to, 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 if you're the you, you've got the trust because you're the biggest means that you can then even get bigger and and um, and so forth. And so, do you want to just actually quickly explain what runs on banks, how they come about? And I think it seems to me so like it's, they don't happen as often as they used to. No, that's right. And and the Fed's the, the Federal Reserve in the US and um, and other central banks around the world were, were were informed in part to to stop runs on on banks. So banks effectively um, uh, take deposits from people and then lend those deposits out to others. And if if the people who um, they've taken deposits from all of a sudden want their money back, then they can't get it because that money's been lent out to other people and they need they need time. And and you end up with a banking panic where everyone a rumor starts that the bank's going to go under and so everyone wants to try to pull their money out and that that whole that whole process of people pulling their money out actually becomes self-fulfilling and the bank does go under. Mm. Whereas um so what what happens in these cases is a central bank just steps in and, and just delivers all the money and then uh, collects on the the loans as they come due and and generally ends up winning in that process. So the idea is that you, you create those banks to stop the, you create those central banks to, to stop the runs and to provide that trust. Um, the issue with cryptocurrencies is 
um, you got to rely on the system and that that it can't be hacked and it can't, um, you know, that that everything they set up in the initial stages will work forever, and that um, because you don't have a central bank that's going to step in to save you yeah, if something goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, the other thing is, so the other thing um, in terms of fiat money is and, and cryptocurrencies is, um, you know, that they, they need they need real money to keep these things going. Um, because they don't have the central bank or, or or anyone behind it in terms of backing it, is they need that um, other people, other investors need to be in there. So if you want to take your money out of a cryptocurrency, you need another investor to come in and give you real currency in order to get your money out. And so, um, because exchanges need your money, it's basically that's part of their job is to to get out and advertise and find new investors and find more people that want to invest in these things. Because um, it's a yeah, the idea is that. Um, if you've got one of these systems going, you need to keep feeding it more and more real cash. In or, otherwise, the, the, the value of these currencies will fall. And so it is really this story of the, the, the trust part of this is, is, is integral to, to Bitcoin's whole story. So that's why they need more money, isn't it? Because they need to get bigger. Yes. Do they right. actually need, um, do they need the price of the currency to go up in the sense that at the start I talked about Bitcoin has risen to 35,000 US dollars per Bitcoin. Does that, does that exchange rate need to increase as part of this trust and size, um, uh, I guess, theme? Well, it needs, you need to make sure you've got money coming. So when people want to take their money out, you need to have other people to, to put their money in. And the best way of doing that is to convince people that uh, they're going to make lots of money from this thing. So, because the question is, if you if I said to you, Shelley, hey, I've got this new um, cryptocurrency. Nobody really trades it much, but trust me, um, if you stick some money in here, you, know, you give me ten thousand dollars now, and you'll get back ten thousand dollars in, or you get back twenty thousand dollars in ten years' time. Um, it's a lot harder if you if if you can sort of in. Oh, sorry, actually, I've probably worded that badly. It's you need to know that there's enough volume happening that when you want to get your money out, you can actually get it out. That this is actually a liquid asset. Because if you're yep. if you're putting money into an illiquid asset, then all of a sudden you need an extra premium on times of that. And so, I guess part of the whole story of Bitcoin is why it grows on itself is the more people that come in and, and want to give money, then the more old people who are in there can can actually trade out and 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 get their um, make turn it into real cash, and then sprout their stories about it, what a great job it is, which then brings more people in, and the next set of people get to get to cash out and and set whole yeah. So the, so. It's- it's really about having, um, like I guess I'm thinking about the liquidity that you have on um, stock markets. It's really about having a really deep pool of willing buyers and sellers in there so that when you want to convert it, if you do, that you can do it. Um, and, and the money doesn't, so the money doesn't actually go into uh, some pool that is that exchange. It just sits at the participants' um who who are on, on you know trading on that exchange and it's exchange between participants like if i want to buy bitcoin from you um then we agree basically between ourselves what's a fair price and if you um want to sell it for too much you can go and find someone else who maybe wants to sell it for less is that the sort of thing yeah but the, but the my main point with this is it can go in reverse as well so once people start to move out of it and stop yeah. once you stop getting new investors coming in and now you have to sell to existing people. You can get the run in the opposite direction, where um, once it starts to fall, and people are like, "Oh, gee, the uh, Bitcoin's falling," maybe. And, and if you get a narrative that takes into, you know, starts going yeah, the, the opposite direction, yeah. then you lose your, um, yeah, you lose your new people buying, and then you've got to chase people even further down. And so, yeah, so it's a. Is part of that problem because that's basically sort of like momentum trades either way. Um, is part of that sort of um, that it's I mean, I, I'm probably getting ahead of us and we're going to get to it, but that it's hard to value. And so, um, or, or hard or impossible, I'm not sure. I'll be interested to see where you get, but there's no way to say externally uh, or it's difficult to, this is the value of it. Therefore, as an investor, I'll step up and take it when other people want to sell it. Yeah, well, that's right. So, as a, you know, a value investor would say, "Well, I'll, I'll wait till it gets to the level where I can I can see that the the income I'm going to earn from it will mm-hmm. will justify, you know, regardless of whatever the share price does, what the actual price of it does, I'll be getting an income that I won't actually care whether I whether I, I need to sell out my capital or not." And Bitcoin doesn't have that. Yeah, um, you know, and it's and it's the same with um, to have that same problem of they don't really represent future cash flows or um, um, or it's just Bitcoin. 
Oh, most of them. Most of them have the same problem. Yeah, there might there might be ones that that give you some sort of stream of income, but um, yeah, there's uh, must admit I'm not conversed over every. There's there's literally thousands of different types out there now, but um, yeah, the um, okay, so 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 we've got this idea. There's this fiat money issue and and the, and the whole trust part, and so that and then the last part is to to um, oh, sorry, the second last part. So is is talking about sovereign um digital money, so. There are a number of places out there that are that are trialling sovereign digital money. Um, Sweden uh, is in the middle of an e-krona trial. It finishes in February. Uh, China just finished a three hundred million dollar uh, trial. Um, in the UK, in particular, the central bank's quite supportive. They've they've been writing papers about it. Um, uh, even yeah, Australia, Netherlands. I've got a bunch of uh, other banks up there that are sort of being central banks have been considering it. It's worth noting that. These are different to your cryptocurrencies and your bitcoins. Effectively, it's using the same type of technologies, and they've got the same types of benefits. But um, the big issue is uh, these are from a uh, an authority which is uh, certifying the, the currency in terms of saying they will accept it. And it's a um, uh, so so while you've got a you've got all the you've got a lot of the positives from it. Um, they're, what they're flipping around is is it really bring back that trust issue and saying okay well they're gonna they're gonna be the trust and and the issuer of these and the person who stands behind them so um, and where that leads us to is saying well there's two concepts and I need to keep um, Bitcoin into mind is there's a technology concept and we said okay well um, the technology is quite good and we're gonna leave there, there's some flaws in in um, Bitcoin in itself but but the um, the technology in itself is um, can, can solve whatever problems um, that happens to have with any current one currency. The second, the real important part though, is this idea of private money versus public money. So we've got these sovereign digital um, ones, which are sort of backed by governments. Now the idea, there's this idea that, well, what, what is, what is the money that Bitcoin's created? And it's really private money and, and private money is not, a, is not a new thing. So, um, you know, if you go to Disneyland and you buy yourself Disney dollars and, and you use those to shop in their shops and, and buy things, that, that's private money. Frequent fly points um, are, are effectively private money. You know, the, uh, an airline has issued me with these frequent flyer points or dollars or whatever, whatever you want to call them. It's really a, a different type of money. I can go and try and sell my frequent flyer points to other people or I can cash them in with, for, for vouchers from the, from the airline. Um, but the net effect is I've got to trust that that airline is actually going to give me that that those um those points when they come due, and that that airline. I think that's a really good point and a really great um way of you know explaining that issue before is that because frequent flight points can disappear. You know, there was a lot of questions last year with Virgin restructuring whether or not um their frequent flyer points I can't remember what they're called now. Um, you know, people are going to continue to be entitled to them. Um, yeah, or, or they, they can, can also or... change their exchange rates. Like, how, what is a point worth? Exactly, they can just overnight. They can say, "Okay, well, now we're they're twenty percent, we're twenty percent less than what they were, what they used to be." Um, and so, um, yeah, and so that that really comes back to remembering, you know, what you're getting from Bitcoin and, and other uh, cryptocurrencies, depending upon who's issuing it, is is, is private money, and it, and it's not a yeah. You know, so, um, and and that's and that's happened right throughout history. So in the 1800s, you know, individual banks were given a charter to create US dollars, and so they would actually, you know, in, in, they would actually create the money themselves. And you could have a run on the bank because the bank had created this money, and then then you got the run on the bank. And 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 I think the average age of banks was sort of that only last three to five years because they kept on having these runs on them, which is part of the reason for then you know creating other ways to 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 back the system. And so um, the idea that we can create private money and then it has problems and then we create other things to try and solve those problems is not a new problem. We've been through that over you know, hundreds of years and it's really, this is just a digital version of the same thing. But both of those ideas um, that we talked about with the frequent flyer points of, okay, they could disappear or their value could change. Um, they can still theoretically happen with central banks. And um, I can't think of any examples to head right now, but there are certainly, you know, instances of, um, small, maybe less uh, economically stable countries where there have been um, issues with the things the central banks don't currency. Um, Absolutely. And, 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 is an example? 
of where they they were yep. just sort of really issuing out of the value got lost. So, um, you know, the issues with private money are or not um, specifically to private money, but you don't see them in um, some of the really major public currencies because of, again, this trust that you say, um, which the central banks and I guess to some degree maybe this social construct that, um, citizens have with their government and, and the systems to for stability. Yes, 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 yes. And then the idea is we've tried to create independent. So we created central banks initially, and then then um, and they were sort of beholden to the governments. And then the idea is we separate them out as as independent central banks, so that there's this um, this level of oversight, and you don't have politicians mucking around with it as much. Like there's certainly there's lots of different processes. Um, public money has been through. In order to try and um, keep that, cust- that that trust part, because uh, when people lose trust in in the currency that they're in, as you said, as you said, places like Venezuela, um, where uh, then people start trying to use other currencies, whether it's whether it's U.S. dollars or um, or gold or, or cryptocurrencies or whatever it is, they try and use something because they've lost lost faith in their own um, their own government, yeah. and so that's. That's these um, the ideas with these four challenges I've got up on screen as well. Is that so? You need this belief and confidence. So we spoke. That's we've already spoken a fair bit about that distribution. So um, you know, one of the problems in 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 pro- with private money in the in the old days was it was hard to distribute into to geographically large areas. So so certainly um, uh, cryptocurrencies have got that. That's fine. They've, they've got the distribution down pat. Um, the volatility side is where they start to fall down. So, um, yeah, that it is a it is a problem when your private currency is worth different things on different days. So at least my frequent flyer points, as you said, you know, they can be devalued and and companies go broke and everything like that. But but in a normal scenario, I know that if I want to get a flight, a frequent flyer flight from Sydney to Melbourne, it's going to cost me you know X hundred um, frequent flyer points. Uh, it's not a matter of saying, okay, it might cost me, you know, 400 one day and 450 the next day and 330 the following day. So that, that volatility part does need to be um, kept in mind that that, that sort of, um, uh, you know, if, to be a currency, uh, Bitcoin's struggling with, with that part, which which is why it sort of ends up being now classified very much as an asset, as, a, as an investment asset by most people who are pitching the story, as opposed to um, to, to something you, you're actually using as a currency. And then the final thing is this whole idea of capitalization and, and sovereign backing and, and the idea that, look, when you most need it, will it be there? So there's an idea, you know, there are a lot of people who talk about owning cryptocurrencies in case of the breakdown of society and, and issues like, or if you end up with it in Venezuela or somewhere like that, where, um, uh, you know, you've got huge, huge inflation and problems with... Um, with, with with buying stuff with with your your own currency, and so you need the, you need some sort of external currency that you can trust. Is that um, the Venezuela sort of then cracked down on on people using Bitcoin? Is the idea that well you had Bitcoin but you couldn't use it? So um, you know the idea that uh, when you, you know, if if you've got an asset and you want to, you're trying to save it, you want to make sure that that asset is if that's there to protect you in times of crisis, you want to make sure that that asset will actually be available in times of crisis. Yeah. And um, you know, the idea that um, you know, could could Bitcoin at some stage that be, be hacked in terms of the uh, the 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 system and and, and fraud, coins fraudulently created? It's very very difficult, um, and it's certainly managed to hold up so far. But uh, it's not impossible that that could happen. You know, some five five ten twenty years in the future with greater computing power. And so um, you know that that whole idea that you've got that you've got that sovereign backing or you've got the the backing of a a um another entity you can trust whereas that you know obviously doesn't exist for um for for bitcoin um climate change is obviously another issue so you know will will at some stage um you know we we end up um taxing energy more heavily and or is it worth you know if, if you could say to to um to some of these people, you know, if now it's whatever it is, 0.2%, if it ends up being 2% or 3% of the, the world's energy usage, um, you know, it, it obviously reaches a stage where you say, well, for climate change purposes, if we can cut that out, then then that's a huge, a huge win. Yeah. Um, uh, terrorism, I mean, the other the other part, the other big risk, I think, uh, main risk with some cryptocurrencies is that um, is really how big they are in terms of at some stage we'll get into this a bit later, but central banks might be interested, but, but other regulatory authorities, you know, if you, if you had a big say terrorism attack in the U S 
and it was funded by 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 Bitcoin um, across various networks, then might there be a reaction where politicians come out saying that they need to ban Bitcoin and and or dr- drastically reduce its 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 use in the U.S.? Yeah, I can I can see a scenario where that might happen. Um, you know, I guess there's that there's that whole idea of um, if you lose money on Bitcoin, there's no one for you to turn to. You can't turn to someone to say, yeah, come and help me with this. I've lost it." Whereas um, you know, with centrally managed economies and sorry, with, with publicly uh, with public money, you know, there's usually some sort of authority, higher authority you can appeal to for um, for the for the issues. Um, yeah. So the valuation part. So, okay, so, so we've sort of been through the part, what is money? And we've got this idea there's a public versus a private, which is very important. Um, so Bitcoin is a private currency um, and it, there's a technology part behind it. It falls down on some areas, but, you know, those technology problems are solvable. To me, the real issue is, um, will you have, will people allow there to be um, private money out there? And while it's relatively small, I think um, governments are, are happy to, to have people with frequent fly points or with, um, uh, you know, Disney dollars or, or whatever it is, these other forms of currencies. Um, but once they get large enough, then it becomes an issue. Um, and you see in countries with, in crisis where they do start putting uh, limits on what people can do and, and, and they want to put currencies controls over whether people can move money in and out of their own currency. And so, so you know, cracking down on things like Bitcoin and um, is, is, a, uh, is going to be a, a, a favourite from, from governments. So the idea on value, though, is that it's, it's all about the story. Um, you could create a coin or I, I can create money tomorrow, create another cryptocurrency. If I can get a better story than everyone else's cryptocurrency, then, then I've got a chance to actually get people to, 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 um, to step in and, 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 um, and use the currency. And Bitcoin's real strength for me has been their story. Um, it's sort of varied. So the first one was all about this whole anonymous part um, and the transactional part, and that sort of gradually filtered out. Um, you know, it's this whole idea, it's a financial asset that um, that, that, that you're going to give you all this value. Um, that's spoken about as being a hedge against inflation. Uh, as central banks keep issuing money, you know, Bitcoin's set up so that it can't keep issuing money. Um, there's this whole idea about disintermediating traditional finance if you don't trust banks or you don't trust the government, then, um, you know, it is a little bit weird to me, this argument, but but there are people who then go, I don't trust go- banks, but I do trust some some digital currency I've never, I, I don't understand the workings of and was created by somebody else and, and is managed by the internet, but I trust it. Um, in a low interest rate environment, you know, gold, it, it reduces the carrying cost. And so is this, is Bitcoin just another version of gold? And that's, that's got a very good story to it. And, and this whole idea of institutional involvement involvement. And so I guess that Bitcoin's real strength is um, that it, um, Bitcoin's real strength is, is that the story changes depending upon who's ta- who you're talking to, is you can just adapt your story to somebody's really, inter- really concerned about um, banks and what they're doing. Oh, great. Well, we're going to tell you about, you know, how it's disintermediating traditional finance and, and et cetera. Somebody's concerned about um, inflation. Okay, well, great. Here's your hedge against inflation and, and, and central banks. Um <laughs> You want somebody who's got it looking for, you know, all the aspects about gold. It's like, oh, here you go. It's a new digital gold. Or, or you know, this this rush of money, this, this idea that um, as institutions get involved, and, and they are starting to get involved, then the size of the asset isn't very big. And so if institutional money wants to come in, then it's going to push this price, you know, to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and it's also and um, problems for liquidity. I mean, if we're talking about Bitcoin, that, you know, if they're, uh, it's just sitting on the um books and they're not really willing participants within the market um if it's an inflation hedge or something like that then um and people want to transact it well the liquidity is being sucked out of it isn't it well it, 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 liquidity will go in two directions depending upon um at the moment more people are wanting to buy it they've got their story and they're, they're bringing on more and more people and so um you know so the idea is as you bring on more and more people then the liquidity is there for you but the idea is but the liquidity comes and goes, I guess, is where I'm saying. And so that's where you can see that volatility part. Is that, sorry, is that answering your question? Well, not really. Um, uh, well, I think it's sort of answering the price implications of it. But um, 
you know, I guess actually I was coming more from the trust side of things where it's, if you have institutions on, on the books and they're um, holding it as an asset for whatever reasons and, and um, they're unwilling sellers, then you have um, less wow. liquidity in stock. And so yeah. it goes against kind of that trust or is it people being able to trade it uh, easily when they, they want to? Yeah. I look, I think if, if, if the story gets out, if institutions genuinely start adding it as an asset, and um, you know, there's lots of stuff out there talking about you know correlation with other things and and how it's a, you know all these pitching all these all these benefits to it. But if if they can actually sell that story to institutions, then yeah, that this thing could fly. Like you know, there's a and and there'll be way more money. I guess what I'm saying is, if institutions come on, the size of the pool will go up ten times, and yeah, so it'll be worth um, more. It'll be yeah. worth more, and there'll be there'll be more liquidity. That'll that'll come. But but it's it's really that story because because in the end there's nothing there's nothing backing it you don't have um you know you, you don't have anything behind it any, anything tangible so really what you have is this story and the story's been really good <laughs> and, they're, and they're very good and very adaptable that's the main thing is the story just keeps adapting to a new here's a new one now the latest as I said the latest we went through this whole gold part where, where it's the digital gold and now we've got this latest um, institutional involvement part and that's that's Gonna, if that's true, and you know that's driven it so far, just the story of it. But if it actually becomes true, self-fulfilling in a way, then um, yeah, Bitcoin could really fly. Yeah, I guess I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this idea of institutional involvement because I've seen um, in the news this week both Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan talking about the upside they see in Bitcoin, um, and I was a little bit alarmed when I, when I saw them because. I was thinking as a lay person, if I hadn't been involved in finance, um, you know, for nearly 15 years now, I would sort of see those sorts of reports from such huge global banks almost as stamps of approval um, of the investment. Um, but, you know, I think I feel like I need to say that they're investment banks trying to peddle a story that will get them a trade. I mean, I guess they don't trade Bitcoin themselves, but um, it sort of I worry that, you know, that and institution, you know, there's reports of institutions being involved in Bitcoin, they they wrongly send this signal to people that therefore, you know, this is investment grade. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know the answer to that, but. Um... Well, I mean, they've gold, gold has been called in the past, you know, the ultimate uh, greater fool asset in terms of it being, you, you need some, you need to find somebody else who wants to to buy it you know there's gold gold has industrial uses and it's got jewelry uses but they're like a fraction of the the overall investment part the whole idea is it's got value because um i can find somebody else who who will pay more for it okay. and um the argument is that well now now i've got a better now i've got a more ultimate greater full argument you know i've got something yep. that's that's a um I, you know you don't even have any jewelry concerns about it or um or, or, or any physical tangible worries about it because it's all it's all it's all in the ether. Well, so, it's like it's like the technological evolution of gold, you know, sort of so so much now we're seeing normal businesses, if they add a tech slant to them, all of a sudden they're worth ten times as much. Yeah, so so um yeah, so so from that perspective, uh, you know, that's that's your real um what you're basically saying if if you want to buy Bitcoin, you're basically saying, will this story hold up, and will it attract more people to to its to 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 believe in the story? Because that's that's in the end all that, all that really matters for this. And if you can attract, if you can get institutions believing the story, and and maybe they might. There's there's sort of there's certainly there's certainly a lot of people, a lot of them looking at it in in more detail at the moment. Um, then yeah, then then that's where this the sky's the limit comes from in terms of the talk. If you can, um, but you know, it wouldn't take uh, at a certain stage though. It actually becomes too big to be. Um, once it gets to a certain certain size, now it becomes a threat to central banks and to to governments who 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 actually quite like being mon- uh, monopoly issuers of their own currency. And so this is your this is your issue here is that if you're a, if you're a uh, the U.S. government and Bitcoin all of a sudden there's more people. Um, own Bitcoin than than any other asset is all of a sudden your ability to to influence the money supply and to to tax people and all these other things starts to become under pressure. Well, then you start looking and saying, well, now now okay, so we ban we ban the use of Bitcoin within for for transact for financial tra- transactions in the US, and so it's it's almost um, 
there's a period where you can see that Bitcoin, before it becomes too big, that it can be um, that that it actually does attract the 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 attention of of people who are worried about how the financial systems actually need to work, and 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 who do and who do worry about that, you know, X percent of the world's energy sources are just going into useless work to 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 justify the mining of these coins. Um, yeah, until that actually attracts attention, then um, yeah, there's there's a story to it. And can the Bitcoin story beat beat out the the story of other cryptocurrencies? Then, you know, mm-hmm. well, pro- probably yeah. Money, apparently, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, so so all very very much about this story. Um, but we might we've got we've had a few questions actually. Do you want to? Do you want to maybe... Sure. Um, a lot of comments. Uh, one of the questions though was um, if you were confusing mining versus transacting. So do you want to actually just explain what mining is? Because I had to look it up yesterday and um, before that had no idea what mining was to Bitcoin. Yeah. So, so the mining part is where you're creating new Bitcoins. So this is this idea that they want to keep the um, supply of um, Bitcoins is to be, uh, is, is limited. And so what they do is they make people do um, do work to create new bitcoins. So my understanding is the work that they actually have to do isn't meaningless in terms of Bitcoin. It's actually what the miners do is they verify transactions. And uh, well, I, I, I was on YouTube, so I'll caveat my next comments with that. But mm-hmm. it explained to me that um, the so a, you know a, a transaction request is almost like a problem that needs to be solved. And so whichever miner managed to solve it gets the currency. Um, and then, as you've said, there's a, a set amount of Bitcoin that will be released over a certain period of time. So the more transactions you have, the less that each transaction is going to, the confirmation of that tra- transaction by a miner is going to earn that miner. Um, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. And and when I'm saying useless, I guess it's, it's in the sense of... Um, We've created a hard a hard way to do these transactions in order to make it more difficult, and so you can't so you can limit the supply. Yeah, saying if 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 your idea was saying, I guess what I'm saying is, if you're designing a new currency and you said, okay, I want to have something that's going to transact, and so people can be buying and selling things right around the world and transacting in this currency, um, your first step wouldn't be saying, well, and I want to make sure that this, yeah, if you had a choice between two currencies, one one that used a fraction of the world's energy supply, and the other one used, you know. 0.2% of the world's energy supply, even when it's at a small level, you say, well, why don't I go for the one that's that's actually not going to require yeah. all that extra work just to just to transact? Because because that's a um, yeah, that's an that's an inbuilt it's 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 inbuilt the problems and made the problems harder so that um, it's harder so that it constrains the, the money supply. Okay. It's not it's not it's not done because it's difficult it's it's particularly difficult to verify transactions. Yes, it's yes, put in this extra it. spot there to so that um yeah so that it makes it harder to mine and constricts the money supply, which is one of the you know which is both a it's one of its features is that oh the money supply won't grow and so therefore it's a, a protection against inflation. Mm-hmm. But the cost of that is um, when they're designing it, I don't think they sat and went okay what happens if um, you know a third of the world starts using it and yeah. They didn't think big enough. No, that's um, right. And then a lot of other points that, uh, on on the chat today. So thanks everyone for them. But if I was to summarize them, and I was actually going to uh, ask to do this before, um, I just feel like we need to step back a second here because I feel like between us has been quite a bearish conversation on Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency. And um, you know, I think we don't necessarily want to in this in this podcast. Um, make a decision for you or for anyone on, on whether or not we think that you should be investing in Bitcoin, but really maybe how you should think about it. Um, and so I guess if I step back um, and sort of think about everything you've said, Damien, I'd start with, okay, cryptocurrencies are just a way for me to make a payment to you or to anybody Um using a, a non-central bank denominated currency. So it's just a way to make a payment over the internet. That, that's what it is. Um, and then, so Bitcoin is one type of cryptocurrency that you can use to make payments to each other. Um, some of the reasons people like it is because uh, it's outside um, central banks. Um, and so, how do I describe this bit? 
um, there's that sense of not um, participating in um, the regulation that comes with using currencies that central banks issue. Yep. Um, okay. So, and the reason I really wanted to focus on what exactly is it, because I th- think it's really important to then thinking about how you value it um, and, and therefore determining whether or not you feel like you want to be buying or selling it. So um, it's just a, a means of exchange. And so if you buy a Bitcoin, you're not buying um, a share in Bitcoin, the company that runs Bitcoin, issues Bitcoin. Um, so you're not going to benefit from them making money. Um, it's it's like it's similar to, uh, I guess, um, metals in in the sense that you're you're betting on whether or not the value of it will go up and down. But then, as you said, with gold, it's different because it doesn't have the industrial uses for it um, that you can therefore say, well, what's the supply and demand going to be? And therefore, what's the price going to be? So I guess what I'm trying to get at, and I think you, you've done it much better over the last little while, but is to summarise that um, there is, it's not actually really representing anything of value. It's just um, it's the value of a, a cryptocurrency is simply what others decide to assign it. And that's why we've really talked a lot about um, the importance of, in Bitcoin of their, their story and their marketing stories that, um, because it, the value of it depends on what others decide to assign it uh, or their willingness to buy and sell it from each other, it, um, they need people to, I guess, want, want to buy it, to think that's a great story and want to buy it. Does, does, does that sort of summarise what you've been trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. I keep coming back to this this thought about private currencies versus public currencies. If you think uh, the governments of the world will be happy to have very large private currencies, um, you know, challenging their own monopolies, then Bitcoin's a long-term buy for you. I think there's a certain stage where where Bitcoin will get to. Why is it a long-term buy? Well, because, uh, well... Because at that stage, you're, say, you're basically saying that governments are going to let go of the money supply to, to private entities. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, that's, I, think that's, um, uh, I think at a certain stage where Bitcoin gets to, it'll be big enough that um, central banks will basically say, we're losing control of our money supply. We don't want to lose control of our money supply. We're going to, we're going to step in and act. Um, I think also that... So that's that's one part. This public versus private, but but you've probably got a fair. You could, you've probably got a bit of time between that. Like it's probably, you know, who the knows when. I wonder if is it is it possible that that gets out of their control? Like actually, that it grows uh, so big so quickly that they've lost the point at the which they can power. actually regulate well, that, it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the argument I've heard from some people, and, and they're talking about institutional involvement. It's basically once institutions get involved, then they won't be able to stop it because they'll own institutions will own enough of it that that. You know, people's pensions will be in there and things like that. And so they, they won't be able to without, you know, the people uprising. I don't buy that story. Um, well, actually, also I, on this idea of uprising, um, I thought it was interesting, the story of the NFL player, Russell Okung, that um, has taken half of his $13 million a year contract in Bitcoin. So he has to get paid it in Bitcoin. Yes. And thinking a little bit into that, like his reasons for wanting it were basically about not wanting to support the the current structures um, in place that favour the few um, and the existing rich and encourage um, inequality. And, and he, you know, he has been a big proponent of Black Lives Matter and that sort of thing. And, you know, you can see in the NBA players as well um, supporting those sort of things um, or those sort of causes. So, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that single cause could cause it to grow really quickly and be beyond regulation, but in terms of uprising, it, it's an avenue Oh, but for that, see, that's what I, and those are the stories which I think is why I, I can see that Bitcoin's, why Bitcoin's made it to where it's got today, because the story's just been adapted saying, you know, I don't like, I don't like the, the, uh, the existing system. Yeah. And so therefore I'm going to use Bitcoin. And it's like, well, why Bitcoin? What's, what's so special? Why, why is Bitcoin like the, the, the master of freedom and, you know, gonna, gonna, yeah. why is Bitcoin going to fix all these problems? And you're like, well, it's not, but it's, it's almost a, but but they managed to Bitcoin's managed to change its story so that people can say, well, if you hate the man as well, then buy Bitcoin. I think that's a really interesting point, especially with respect to US politics, because it speaks to both sides of the political divide at the moment. 
That's right. You hate and the Republicans? Buy Bitcoin. You hate the Democrats? Buy Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, we've seen that um, it's, you know, these sort of things are really emotive. And um, I was actually listening to something to an interview Russell Okung was doing about, about his choice to do this and how he was telling his teammates about it. And he was saying, Bitcoin to me is freedom. And, and he was like, they, as soon as they hear that, they're sold. They want to be involved in it as well. And so when you start talking yeah. to people like that, who cares about rationality? You know, we know yeah. that rationality is not the central tenet of investing and that sort of thing. And that's why we think actually uh, active management can add value to um, to investments because markets aren't actually rational that often. Yeah. And so, and, and um, yeah, so, so I guess it's that it's a, a it's the power of the story, isn't it? So if you if you've got an asset that doesn't have any any backing or any anything behind it, then you need to have the best story. And Bitcoin has got a really good story. And, yeah, exactly. and the institutional part, you know, as a, I wouldn't underestimate that as well. Like I'm 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 look I'm very dismissive of the whole concept and what it means and all that type of stuff. But you could you could make the same arguments against gold for a thousand years. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. So you know, so gold is gold as a as a as a mineral is very useful, like way more useful than copper, but um, but not like so so gold sells for you know thousands of dollars per ounce, whereas copper sells for thousands of dollars per ton. Like it's just it's there's just a, a dramatic difference in in the cost there. So um, you know, even silver, which is you know pretty close to gold, sells for you know t- tens of dollars per ounce as opposed to thousands of dollars per ounce. And so, um, you know, it's the story behind it that if you can get the story right and people believing in it, and the reason why gold works or has worked in the past is because people have believed that story for tens of thousands of years, that it's worth way more than silver and worth way more than gold. So, so way more than copper. Now, now the question is, can Bitcoin reach the level where people just intrinsically believe that Bitcoin is worth this and will always be worth it? And so therefore people should always buy it. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. I just, I just, um, I can see this next level of belief, though. If they can get the institutional belief, um, there's a, there's a, there's a huge leg up. I, I hope they don't, and I don't I don't know whether they will or not. Like I certainly wouldn't be um, uh, saying that this is an asset people have to own in their their portfolio, and I'm it's going to provide all the great long term value. This is something we could be owning. It's not something I'm allowed to buy, and not something I ever want to change the mandates to buy in our portfolios. But um, I can see where, uh, yeah, if 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 you if they can get institutional involvement, then uh, it's going a lot okay. higher. So, if you if you're as an investor, you want to buy um, uh, you want to buy some cryptocurrency in your portfolio. Uh, how should you think about it in terms of your portfolio construction? Should you be going everything into it, or half of your oh, money into it, it, or it should be very much treated as a speculative asset, and very okay. much treated as um, you if you don't. Um, Money that you don't care about about um, about losing, <laughs> I guess. Uh, if you, it needs to be the money that uh, we, we sort of treat things as a core and satellite. So we say that you know you have should have a core set of investments that are low risk um, uh, and high quality assets that that you're confident will provide you know a, a good income stream over time. And then around that, you can then sort of buy some more speculative assets. More and, risk, yeah. Uh, yeah, more risk around that, and and for some people that core part is is almost all of their portfolio, and for other ones it's you know half their portfolio or whatever, and they they've got a lot more um, speculative assets. But um, this should very much be at your speculative assets, and I, I would you know very much uh, suggest don't put anything into this that you you're not prepared to lose. And, it, and it's worth noting as well that the, the exchanges that you buy through they're not regulated either, and so if they mm-hmm. decided. To if, if there is a if there is a bit of a run and you put an order in and they decide that one of their friends um, they'd like to get one of their friends in and their own money out before they put get your money out, then there's no one you can appeal to on those ones. So you know you certainly don't want to be the last one out. Um, uh, yeah. So on that point, on that um, I guess that point, we have a question on the chat. Um, if uh, Bitcoin's in a bubble, do you any thoughts on where it is on the bubble curve? Uh, <laughs> no, it's a tough one. Yeah, look, you know, it's, uh, look, it's it's certainly um, look. My my guess is that absent the institutional involvement part, it's it's way closer to the the top of the bubble than the bubble than the bottom. Having said that, though, if 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 it can convince 
institutional investors that is that it is an asset class that they need to include as part of their um, portfolio, then um, yeah, these stories of can it go to hundreds of thousands of dollars are probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I yeah I I struggle I, I yeah so I personally struggle with it. Um, but maybe maybe the the institutional market is maybe they'll find enough unsophisticated people that that do buy the story that then lead to it getting big enough that that others you know pile in. I I find it hard to believe, but um, you know there's other stuff I found hard to believe that's happened, and it's it's you know if it's a betting on um, humans um, blowing an, uh, an irrational bubble, you know, you, you can never bet against that happening at some stage. And so I'd, I'd say it's already an irrational bubble. Um, and if they can get institutional involvement, then it's um, it's going to get even more ir- irrational. Okay. But the same you would say for gold as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gold's, a, gold's and gold I treat very much as a similar type of asset. The difference with gold is, you know, you've had thousands of years where people have treated that, that gold that yeah. way as this store of value, and so it's just got it's got um, yeah a longer time frame of that. You've got central banks already buy and, and governments already buy gold; they already have big big holdings of gold themselves. So um, they're not you know that that um, yeah, but but having said that as well, that there have been certain times over time where um, your governments have confiscated gold <laughs> and um you know even um you know within the last 100 years you sort of hit stages where or maybe the last 150 years certainly within um you know stages where where big governments like the US and and places like that have have banned the use of gold for for certain transactions okay. or so um yeah I, I guess gold gold's got a much longer um and much uh richer history of, of playing this role but again it is that it is still that um it's still a story. It's about the story about gold, and and the biggest, um, by by far, the biggest users of gold are the are investors and central banks, and so and both of those are holding it for effectively speculative purposes. So again, it's gold is is largely about um, uh, finding thinking that the story is good enough that there'll be somebody else who wants to pay a higher price for it in the future. Okay, thanks. Uh, another question. Uh, so, Damien, from your perspective, how do you think central banks and governments could take action to defend their currency monopolies? Um, what do you think is on the cards? Oh, just banning banning the use of uh, of crypto. How do they regulate the, that? Uh, I'm, I'm, like, I mean, I don't think that's the right Yeah, look, um, I mean, part of the issue will be once um, if if you get a um, if you get somebody who um, who comes out and and says, okay, there's a ban on using Bitcoin within a country. You know, you're not allowed to use it or whatever within that country. Is that that's going to be enough to 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 clear out a stack of demand? Let's say it's the US. So j- just people who are like there'll, there'll be people who want to circumvent it, obviously. But um, if it's a, if it's a um, if there's a broader mandate from from governments to to um, to to do it, they'll find a way, I suppose. So and and, that- and Institutional investors won't be out. I mean, potentially institutional investors won't be able to invest in it. Like, um, if you're a big institution and the government of your country said, uh, you "Oh, absolutely, okay. yeah," right. so then they'd, they'd be forced to just, yeah. I mean, we've already we're going through this process at the moment where um, you know the US is on and on, on again and off again about whether you're allowed to buy uh, Chinese stocks on the on the US yeah. stock exchange. Yep. And so, and there's a couple that are, I think they're back on now. They're kicking a few out, and they're, they're mm-hmm. contemplating whether some of the bigger ones are. So, um, you know, saying that you're not, you know, that that you're not allowed to um, to, to own uh, to trade or to trade Bitcoin within that um, similar type of thing is not a is not a huge step. I think I don't I don't think there's a, a lot of legal issues that that, that, that have to do it. Okay. Um, yeah, and okay. so, it would, in terms, as you said, in terms of regulating it, would would probably be difficult. And there'll be people who might want to sidestep it and always be able to do it. And they probably could, but if you're if you're relying on institutional involvement or the fact that there'll be a bunch of people anyway who'd go, oh well, if I'm not allowed to own it, I may as well sell what I've got and and I'll go, you know, I'll go okay. do something else. Right, yeah. Is actually yeah. And what about um, what last one maybe before we, then we go to wrap up? Um, PayPal are potentially going to allow uh, customers to transact using um, Bitcoin. Does that? Is this like another leg of the story? If we see companies increasingly um, 
willing to let their customers transact in it as well yeah, as getting in the register. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see. I'd, I'd love uh, – look, that's that'll be uh, – uh, it's one of those interesting tests of, between saying if if, um, if PayPal lets people um, start transacting through it, whether um, whether there's your you you, know, you start that's that's you, that becomes your de facto exchange for um, mm, for, for trading yep. these things. So I don't yeah that's that, there's another there's another story in that you know there's lots of there's, yeah as I said lots and lots of stories that um, Bitcoin's been remarkably able to to change its story and adapt and and always have a good you know regardless of what you're regardless of why you're looking at it there's there's a good story as to why you can um, why Bitcoin is the thing for you. All right. Uh, well then, uh, Damien, if you're happy to, uh, I can bring the show, show to a close uh, and introduce this week's viewer question. So the question is: Is Bitcoin the new gold? Uh, if you'd like to respond to this, and please do, please put your comments uh, in this YouTube channel. Uh, we look forward to seeing what you come up with. So looking ahead to next week, uh, Thursday the fourteenth of January at twelve thirty. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, we'll have Patrick Ceresna. He's the founder of Big Picture Trading and the host of Macro Voices and um, Market Huddle Podcasts. And he's going to be talking to us about trading and trends that we see in the market. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you'd like to see more of our content, head over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash content. You can also stay up to date with Nucleus Wealth News by following us on social media. Uh, and we'd love to hear your comments or suggestions for future webinar topics. So please go ahead and post those in the comment section of this YouTube video as well. Uh, and lastly, if you have a friend, family member or workmate who you think would get something out of today's show, uh, please share it with them and give us a like so you can help our podcast grow. Thank you. <laughs>